0: Part two. We're going to go to part two, the most excellent way to live. Do you remember what part one was? What's the most excellent way to live? Love. Love, love. the most excellent way to live. Um, I, I have some kids' definitions of love here. And uh, one of them said, when someone loves you the way they. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You know that your name is safe in their mouth. I like that one. That was a good one. Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other really well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with that one. Uh, love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. <laughs> that must be an older one. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day long. And here's the last one. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. So... That's a good one. Love. Let's see what God says. We went over verse 4 last week. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And today we're going to look at verse 5. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. There's a lot of good stuff in there. A lot to cover this morning. Well, Father, thank you for your word. Help me to share what you want me to share. And Lord, may may it be your voice and your spirit that people hear today. And Father, may we just continue to grow in this realm of walking in love, becoming like you. Yeah, we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen let's look at this first one it is not rude love isn't rude the uh, dictionary definition of rude one of them is not having or showing concern or respect for the rights and feelings of other people not polite uh, another one said dis- discourteous or impolite especially in a deliberate way. Rude. Love isn't rude. I, love sees that people have value. Typically we are careful with the things we value and we can tend to be careless with the things we don't value. And so um and when I was younger, uh, I found out that we had a family Bible. <clears throat> it's not that we read it. We didn't go to church. You know, my family didn't go to church. But there was this family Bible. It was thick and big and old. It was like, you know, real leather on the front. And, and it had water stains on it. I don't know how that happened. But uh, when you opened it up, there was the tree with the places for names. And everything was written with a quill pen. I mean we're just talking old. I was I don't know how old this Bible was. And uh there were letters in it from ancestors from a long time ago and again they were written with the quill pen kind of stuff and so it was really old. And the oldest son always received the Bible. It was it just always went to the oldest son. Which I'm not the oldest son, so I'm not getting it. But anyway, the point was when, uh, when we were shown this Bible, it was like treated really well. You know, pages turned carefully, things looked at carefully. I treated that Bible like it was really special. Now, my textbooks, my school books, totally different situation. You know, just toss it. Just give it a toss. Wherever it ends up, it ends up. Whatever we value, we'll be careful how we treat it. And love sees people as worthy of respect. Love isn't rude. It sees people as worthy of respect. And I want to share a story that Jesus is in this in Mark chapter 10. And uh, it, it kind of shows us people being rude and then Jesus not being rude. So let's just read this. Mark chapter 10. And so they reached Jericho. Later, as Jesus and his disciples left town, a great crowd was following. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road as Jesus was going by. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus from Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me!" I better stop there for a moment. So <clears throat> Jesus is leaving Jericho, and out at a Ton of people are following him. There's a large crowd. They want to be close to him. They want to hear his words. They want to see what he's going to do. So I mean, they're just a mob of people. And as they're leaving town along the road, is this beggar, and he's blind, and uh, he can't really take care of himself. Uh, he has to live off of the generosity of others. He has to ask people for money. In order to survive, that's just what he does. He's a beggar, blind. so on the side of the road. He hears all this noise, and somebody says, Jesus is coming by. Well, when he hears that, hope starts to rise up in his heart. And he can't see anything, but he hears a crowd, and he just starts shouting out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he's shouting it, and he's shouting it. Well, some people got really irritated with him. They were... This was a special moment. Jesus is there. He's coming by. And here's this beggar shouting and carrying on. And they're getting irritated. And the scripture goes on to say that they wanted him to shut up. So they shouted back to him, Be quiet! Well... When he heard the crowd, some of the people in the crowd shouting at him to be quiet, he responds by shouting louder. Jesus, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. There were some people in the crowd, they didn't treat that man very well. They were rude. They were just rude. And they they didn't think this man had much value. He's a beggar. He's blind. Everyone has to take care of him. And he's, he's upsetting my day, and I'm just going to put him in his place. But Jesus hears something going on. And it says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped. And he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Now, I don't know if it was the same people that was yelling at him a little bit ago. It could have been. We people can be, you know, (laughs) you know how we can be at times, okay? So anyway, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus throws aside his coat, jumps up, and he comes to Jesus. And I like the way that Jesus talks to this man. He treats him with respect. What do you want me to do to you? He's given this man a chance to tell what's in his heart. What is going on? What does he want? What do you want me to do for you? Of course, the man says, uh, the blind man said, I want to see. I just want to see. I've been blind. I don't know how long he's been blind, but he just wants to see again. I could understand that. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has healed you. And instantly, the blind man could see. And you know what he wanted to look at after he saw for the first time? He just wanted to see Jesus and follow Him. And that's exactly what the Scripture says, that he was, his sight came back and he followed Jesus. Now there were some people in the crowd, they didn't value that man. You know, he was ruining their special moment. He was ruining this special time. He was shouting out. But love isn't rude. They obviously didn't love that man. But Jesus did. And Jesus responded in a way of respect and honor. Love isn't rude. Well, I had every reason to be rude with that person. Love isn't rude. Well, they were rude first. Love isn't rude. Well, I was half loving. <laughs> Love isn't rude. Now, I'm kind of camping on this because I have to remind myself. I'm a type of person. I've got my list of things to do. I want to get stuff done. I want to accomplish things. And sometimes people get in the way. (laughs) You know. And I'm a pastor. (laughs) It's supposed to be about people. Do people get in your way? But remember, love is not rude. It's not rude. Jake Kessler, president of Taylor University, told about a state trooper. Oh, this has got to be a good story. A state trooper who was awarded an Outstanding Trooper Award. Kessler, who attended the same church as a trooper, said to him, The governor said that in 15 years as a trooper, you haven't once roughed up a drunk or used excessive force on anyone. How can you be a state trooper for 15 years dealing with the kind of stuff you deal with and have that happen? Well, I guess two things, the trooper responded. First, if I'm called to break up a fight at a tavern, I never say to myself, there's a drunk. I always say to myself, there's a man, someone's husband, someone's son, Someone's neighbor who got drunk. So I always try to think of him as a man and not a crime. I thought that was pretty good. You know? Do we see someone as a person or as a problem? That really will determine how we treat them. But love is not rude. Love is not rude. The second thing the state trooper said was, the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. So whenever I walk up to the window of an automobile, I always speak in a lower, a little lower than the person I'm speaking to. Whatever level their voice is, I make sure mine's a little bit lower when I'm talking to them. There's that respect, that honor. Love is not rude. So those of us who are parents in here today, <clears throat> we're really teaching our children how to treat their, their future husband or wife by how we treat our spouse. So however I treat Lori, I am teaching our children this is how you treat your spouse that you're going to marry someday think about that. Think about that. If I'm rude to my wife, I'm basically saying, hey boys, when you get married, just be rude to your wife. That's fine. And if Lori's rude to me, she's just saying, you know, Lindsay, just be rude to your husband. That's just life. That's the way it is. But love is not rude. Rude So easy to say because they're just short words, easy to remember. It's a whole other thing to live it on a daily basis. Okay. Has anybody been rude lately? Point to someone you think has been rude lately. No. No, let's not do that. (laughs) Now if everybody points one direction, I realize, okay, we do have an issue here. So (laughs) if you're all pointing at me, okay. I'm so thankful that that Jesus, He's corrected me, but He's never been rude to me. You know what I'm saying? He's loved me, He's forgiven me, He's corrected me, He's rebuked me before, but He's never been rude to me. Because love isn't rude. There's a passage, Ephesians 4, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths (laughs) (laughs) you're the gatekeeper you get to determine what comes out of this thing you have have total control over that you decide whether you're going to let these words come out that are happening up here you decide whether they're going to come out or not you are the gatekeeper no it's the, the devil's the one that made me do it no the devil didn't make you say anything you had to decide whether you're going to let that come out or not. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Love isn't rude. Let's say that. Love isn't rude. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Love is not self-seeking. Another translation says it this way. New Living Translation. Love does not demand its own way. The Amplified Bible says it like this. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Okay, It's not self-seeking. The ultimate example of someone who is not self-seeking is Jesus. He is the ultimate example. Whenever I... You know, come across something that has to do with not demanding your rights. Jesus is the perfect example. Philippians chapter 3. We need to look at that. Philippians chapter 3, <clears throat> starting with verse 3. This is actually, it says NIV, but it's the New Living Translation. It says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Now that is not embraced by society too much today. But scripture says, think of others as better than yourself. Does that mean that you're debasing yourself? No. It means, I'm going to live my life where I'm not the center of attention. I'm going to care about other people. Okay? So, don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Now the next part of the verse is going to show us Jesus' attitude. Jesus had an attitude. But it was a good attitude. Okay. Some of us have attitudes. Jesus' attitude was really good. Let's take a look at it. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God now that's a lot there mm-hmm. Jesus was God has always been God God the Son Jesus had always been with the Father Jesus had always been worshipped by all of the angels all the created beings in heaven all of creation scripture tells us was created by Jesus through Jesus and for Jesus 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 is God. And everything in heaven knew they were created by Him and they worshipped and glorified Him. But Jesus, this scripture says, He didn't demand and cling to His rights as God. I'm God. I'm creator of everything. And there is a lost world. I'm not going to demand and cling to my position As God, I'm going to take it off. The Father did not tell Jesus to take it off. He took it off Himself. It says that He made Himself nothing. Compared to who He was in the glory and being born as a little human baby, vast difference. He made Himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave. He came here completely to serve. He said, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. That was a disgraceful way to die. On a cross. That was very disgraceful. Even in the Jewish culture, it was a disgrace to be hung on a cross. Scripture says, have the attitude that Jesus did. Don't be demanding your rights. Don't be clinging to those things with everything that's in you. If it's going to benefit other people, lay them down. Lay them down. Love is not self-seeking. Love isn't thinking, what's going to be best for me? What decision is going to be best for me? It isn't that way. Love basically says, you know what? I've been given life, but it's not all about me. Others count. And then we live our life with that mentality. There was a high school basketball team in Gainesville, uh, the Gainesville tornadoes in Gainesville, Texas. And it usually had a fan base of zero. One Gainesville player said, My parents came to one game, but they didn't come to the other ones because they didn't have time. The other students at Gainesville, which is a juvenile correction facility for felony offenders, they don't get to come to the games either. Mostly because they can't get out. All right? One of the few perks at the facility for very good behavior is a chance to leave the prison a few times a year to play basketball. They play against private schools like Vanguard College Prep in Waco. And it was before that recent matchup that two Vanguard players, Hudson Bradley and Ben Martinson, announced that it didn't seem right to play a team with no fans. So before their home game against Gainesville, Bradley and Martinson asked some Vanguard fans for a favor. Cheer for Gainesville instead. Cheer for them instead of us. The shocked Gainesville players walked onto the court to find their own signs of support, their own cheerleaders, even their own fan section. Half the crowd was assigned to cheer for Gainesville. But as the game went on, everybody started to cheer for Gainesville. (laughs) One Gainesville player said, when I'm an old man, I'll still be thinking about this. Hudson Bradley said, I mean, every time they scored, the gym just lit up with cheering and clapping, and everyone was on their feet. It showed me the real impact that encouragement and support for anybody, what it can make. And here's how journalist Steve Hartman summarized this story. Quote, We all need someone to believe in us. We all need someone who knows our mistakes and loves us anyway. And for that, the Gainesville players can't thank those boys enough. Love is not self-seeking. It's not going through life trying to find out what's best for me. Love wants to cheer other people on. Love wants to believe in other people. Love is not rude, even though tough things can happen. Love is not self-seeking. It sees others. Oh, I love this next one. Convicted me so much. i got to spend time on this one. It's not easily angered you like that one? It's not easily angered. Well, it's my nationality. No. No. Love is not easily angered. Well, it's because I'm surrounded by idiots. No. No. Love is not easily angered. A married couple had a quarrel and ended up giving each other the silent treatment. A week into their mute argument, the man realized he he needed his wife's help. In order to catch a flight to Chicago for a business meeting, he had to get up at 5 in the morning. Not wanting to be the first to break the silence, he wrote on a piece of paper, please wake me up at 5 (laughs) a.m. You know where this is going. You know where it's going. The next morning, the man woke up only to discover his wife was already out of bed and it was 9 a.m. His flight had long since departed. He was about to find his wife and demand an answer for her failings when he noticed a piece of paper by the bed. And it said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) All right. Love is not easily angered. Um the reason we have problems with anger is because we haven't put to death some carnality in our lives. There's just some things that need to be put to death, you know and anger, especially if we get angry easily, is just something that God is saying. I want you to deal with that i have I could get angry easy. You know, I was like that growing up, and there was this one instance, it was, it was just, it was, yeah, it's funny now, but that's because it's a long time ago, but now it's funny. When we were, we were living in Juneau, we had this car, it was a 75 Chevy Impala, you know, big old boat, all metal, everything's metal on it, but it had a problem when, Juneau, just humidity is ridiculous, and in the winter time, the doors would freeze shut, on this car there was humidity that got in the doors and if it got really cold overnight i'd go out and i'd try to get in the car and <sighs> froze shut you know so you could try to you know open up another door and then get the car started and everything would be fine but one morning i just i'd had it i was done i went out there it had one of those flip type latches metal metal latch and, and i couldn't get the door open I mean, the latch would come up, but the door wouldn't, and I'm i done. This door's coming open. Okay. And with the Hulk-like strength that I had at that moment, I yanked that door, and I snapped the handle right off the door. I'm holding this handle, metal, and thinking, okay, what do I do now? And then every time somebody sees the car and asks what happened to the handle, what am I going to say? Well, I just didn't say anything. But anyway, I kept that door handle on my desk. As a little reminder, Mike, you got an anger issue. You need to deal with that. I think I've finally got rid of the handle but i kept it for years <laughs> it's just right there why do you have a handle on your desk long story it's okay between me and jesus but there it is i actually started memorizing some scriptures that i'm going to pass on to you today ephesians 4:26 in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry which basically means you can't let your anger go to the next day. It's got to be dealt with today. Okay, And I know some of you are thinking, well in the summertime, no, That the, the, God was not thinking of Alaska giving you a way out. Okay, no, no. If you're mad at somebody, scripture says, get it straightened out that day. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, I mean, if somebody else, if you can't get it straightened out, on your part, you do what you can concerning your heart, okay? But you can't stay angry. Why? Look at the next part of the verse. And do not give the devil a foothold. So if we stay angry, what are we doing? You're giving the devil a foothold. And my experience with the devil is, if he gets one hold, he's not satisfied there. He's going to go a little further, a little further. He's going to keep getting the territory that he can. So, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Lori and I, we tried to live by that pretty much. I can, very few times, where we didn't settle stuff, you know, before we went to sleep. Lots of times that we went to sleep late. Okay. <laughs> we had some long conversations. But we really tried to follow that and we have done pretty well by the grace of God. Ephesians 4.31 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. It doesn't say God will get rid of. It says you get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Let's look at James. Got to go to the book of James, man. That'll straighten you out. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to what? Listen. Listen. Slow to speak. Slow to what? Speak. And slow to become angry. Everyone should be quick to listen, Slow to speak. Just keep it zipped for a while. And slow to be angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I memorized it in another translation. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay. Well, I know I can set this straight. It won't produce the righteousness of God. But it it feels so good for a little bit but it won't produce the righteousness of God. So, let's not be easily angered in our marriage. Let's not be easily angered in our homes. Don't be easily angered at your job. Well, pastor, if you worked where I worked, you'd be given a different message right now. No, I'd have to trust God, just like you have to trust God. You know? Don't be easily angered in the church. Please. We don't want to be mad at one another. But pastor, they sat in my chair. <laughs> it's okay. There's grace for that. But they didn't look at me today. It's okay. Walk up to them. And say hi. You know, let's, let's not be easily angered. Thank you. (laughs) Moving on to number four. (laughs) Okay, this one is pretty amazing. Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. That's a big one. Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. Record keeping is important. Tax time is coming. You'll find out how important record keeping is. Okay, Paul, is record keeping important for taxes? Just a little bit. He works with taxes. Okay, <clears throat> Leslie, is she here this? Morning? Oh, she's she's in the nursery. Leslie, our our bookkeeper, has this silly idea. She's in the nursery, so I can say this. She has this silly idea that everyone should keep receipts when you're spending church money. Where she gets that, I don't know. But as of yet, she's still standing on that principle. Where's the receipt? I won't tell which staff member seems to get most of the attention, but there is one. She wants receipts. But there are times when we should be terrible record keepers. There there are areas where God wants us to be terrible record keepers. Where we just don't keep good records at all. And this is one of them. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It's not always tallying up mentally. Oh, said it again, did it again, did it again, did it again. Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. Are we better at keeping track of what people do right or are we better at keeping track of what people do wrong? You know? What kind of record keepers are we? Are we quicker to see someone's faults or to see their strengths? Um, King David, even as a young boy, scripture says, he just had a heart for God. He had a heart for the Lord. And as he grew up and he went through so many different ordeals. But he had this faith in God. Just, it was just an amazing faith. He trusted God to be his deliverer. And and he just got to know God so well in his life. And David made some big mistakes. But he never, he always went to God. Always went to God. And in Psalm 103, this man in his his lifetime who had had gotten to know the Lord so well starts describing the Lord for us to see and for us to even make songs about and all kinds of stuff. Psalm 103. It's not going to be up there. I'm just going to read it. But Psalm 103 starting with verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, who revere him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. He knows that we're human. But that's God. And when in 1 Corinthians 13, as we're going through, we'll have one more week as we go through the description of love. God is really describing himself. He's saying, I want you to be like me. What am I like? Well, love isn't rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. That's our God. You know what I'm saying? God is not asking us to do something that he isn't. He's basically saying, just please be like me. Love is patient. Is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud, and then what we're covering today. God is saying, Walk with me, be like me, imitate me, because it's the most excellent way. I've given you life, it's a gift from me. However, you came into this world, whatever the circumstances were, I gave you life. Now, live it the most excellent way, which is learning how to love. Author Ken Sand gives an example of how loving actions can communicate forgiveness. Rubbing actions can do much more than change your feelings. They can also communicate in unmistakable terms the reality of your forgiveness and your commitment to reconciliation. Thomas Edison apparently understood this principle. When he and his staff were developing the incandescent light bulb, it took hundreds of hours to manufacture one single bulb one day after finishing a bulb he handed it to a young errand boy and asked him to take it upstairs to the testing room as the boy turned and started up the stairs he stumbled and fell and the bulb shattered on the steps instead of rebuking the boy Edison reassured him and then turned to his staff and told him to start working on another bulb when it was completed several days later Edison demonstrated the reality of his forgiveness in the most powerful way possible He walked over to the same boy, handed him the bulb, and said, please take this up to the testing room. Imagine how that boy must have felt. He knew that he didn't deserve to be trusted with this responsibility again, yet here it was, being offered to him again as though nothing had ever happened. Nothing could have restored this boy to the team more clearly and more quickly or more fully than that. Edison didn't say, last time I handed this to you, you stumbled and it was hundreds of hours and you wasted a lot of people's time and I'm not going to trust you again. But he just gives it back to the boy. Tells him to take it upstairs. Love does not keep record of wrongs. God, he entrusts so much stuff to us and we sometimes just really mess up. But But he doesn't say, I will never entrust this to you again. If we ask for forgiveness, sincerely, what does he do? He forgives. And then he says, I'm going to entrust this to you. And he does it again. I'm so thankful, God doesn't keep record of wrongs. Now if somebody is not born again, has not received Jesus as their Savior, and is living their life without God, there is records being kept. And everybody answers to the Lord for the life they've lived. But God wants to throw that stuff in the sea of forgetfulness. That's His desire. He doesn't want to keep a record of wrongs. He wants to keep a record of people's names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the record He wants to keep. Well done, good and faithful servant so today as we finish this message up I don't want anybody leaving feeling like how can I do this if you will walk with Jesus you will grow in love some of us in this room don't really know what love is that well yet we're still kind of learning And we may not even have a really healthy image of God yet because of life experiences. But if we will keep walking with Him, you will see how faithful His love is. And we'll become more like Him. It's the most excellent way. It's the most excellent way. Let's stand together. Worship team? Yeah. Yeah.